Welcome to NTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. An award-winning trio of science scholars will share their views with us on this program. Dr. Elizabeth Barnes, an assistant professor of biology, won the Evolution Education Award from the National Association of Biology Teachers at its annual gathering in Atlanta in November 2021. At that same conference, student Alexa Summersill captured first place in the undergraduate student biology education research competition, and student Elizabeth Wyburn received second place in the mentored student research competition. We'll hear from all three of them after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. More than a half dozen MTSU alumni are dancing back to the 64th Annual Grammy Awards in January with the ones who've brought them to the industry's biggest honors in categories ranging from country to pop to Latin music to bluegrass to gospel. The Recording Academy event will be broadcast and streamed live from Los Angeles on CBS at 7 p.m. Central on Monday, January 31st. NBC News in 2019 began calling MTSU a, quote, Grammy winner factory in the wake of its alumni, students, and staffers' multiple nominations and wins. MTSU alumni, former or current students, and faculty from across the university have been a part of more than 125 Grammy Award nominations in the last two decades. And fermentation science grad student Kathy Rubin left quite an impression with state agriculture officials, including MTSU alum and Commissioner Charles Hatcher, Deputy Commissioner Tom Womack and others, during a three-month internship. An internship proposal Rubin helped design for the Tennessee Department of Agriculture Consumer and Industry Services Division will be submitted to the Tennessee Department of Human Resources for future opportunities. A native of the Philippines, Rubin, a self-proclaimed foodie, volunteered for the internship and said she was able to use and see how the knowledge she learned from the classroom was applied in daily life. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Our discussion begins with Dr. Elizabeth Barnes and her award for evolution education. Elizabeth, what does this award mean to you personally and professionally? It means a lot, actually, to me to win this award and to be recognized by the community for my work, um, because I've been doing this work for um, about 10 years now. And in fact, my very first research study that I ever conducted as a junior undergraduate student was on evolution education. And um, and I, when I accepted the award, I saw a lot of the researchers um, there watching me and, and you know, and, and recognizing me who I read their work. Uh, when I was an undergraduate researcher starting this field. To, so to, to be able to kind of look back at the beginning and where I started um, reading these researchers' papers and then 10 years later being recognized uh, for the work that I've done by those researchers um, was a really humbling and awesome experience for me. Yeah. Why, what about evolution education appealed to you in the first place from the get-go? Yeah, so I um, started out uh, at community college uh, on the pre-med track, right? So I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but when I took my biology classes, I really quickly realized that um, I had a love for evolutionary biology. And I thought that um, evolution was just this amazing, beautiful idea that all of life on earth was related and came from a single common ancestor that we were all connected to each other in such a profound way. That was really fascinating to me. 
But then what was also fascinating to me was my social psychology classes. And, um, and, and, and I started to realize that this idea that people didn't accept evolution, right? So I found out that like half of the United States didn't accept evolution, that this was actually a social psychological phenomenon. And, and putting those two ideas together, studying evolution acceptance and rejection from a social psychological perspective um, is what I got really passionate about and what really fueled me um, to look into these issues further. What is the Social Perceptions of Science Lab and what is your role in it? So the Social Perceptions of Science Lab is a group of biology education researchers who are studying how people um, see controversial science topics. So these are science topics that are really important to what we're teaching in biology, but are also really controversial in society. So for example, evolution is the foundation of the entire discipline of biology. Uh, a lot of biologists say that nothing in biology makes sense unless you take into account evolution, right? And yet a large percentage of our students are coming into the class not believing that this is a real thing, even though it's such a foundational component um, of, the, of the science. The same thing goes with climate change, right? Or um, whether or not vaccines are effective, right? So there's, we study these issues, the teaching and learning of these issues that we should be teaching at almost every level of biology, but yet our students might feel is controversial when they're coming into the classroom. Um, and I am the principal investigator of the lab. So I'm an assistant professor in the biology department and I run the social perceptions of science lab. And about how many faculty do you have participating in it? Oh, it's just me. I just, yeah, I just started, um, I just started as an assistant professor last year. So the Social Perceptions of Science Lab opened its door about 10 or 11, 10 months ago. Um, mm -hmm. Or no, sorry, sorry, not 10, about, uh, uh, well, 22 months ago, about a year, uh, almost, almost two years ago. Um, no, I'm doing that math wrong. I'm sorry. I started in August um, of, of 2019. So I, the lab has only been around for a short period of time. And so far, um, I'm the only faculty member involved, but I also mentor, um, I, I have six undergraduate researchers in the lab right now, um, a PhD student and a master's student. So when I say a group of biology education researchers, that's the group that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, do you think that folks who teach scientific disciplines have to kind of do anything to revamp their teaching or do anything different to reach a public that seems to doubt the credibility of science on so many fronts, some of which you mentioned, vaccines, climate change, uh, evolution? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of the reason that I was recognized for this award is because the thread throughout our you know, work on evolution education is that scientists can take a responsibility when they're teaching about evolution to try to teach it in a way that helps religious students be more comfortable with the idea of evolution. Because what we've seen throughout our studies is that religion is the biggest factor for whether somebody is going to consider evolution, right? And yet most of the instructors that are teaching students in the biology department at least don't have their own religious background themselves, right? Um, and they don't really, they're not really taking into account the fact that maybe half their students or 70% of their students might have a religious background that might be in conflict. And in society, this conflict between science and religion is highlighted so heavily, but what's not often highlighted is a lot of the areas in which these two places can come together and be compatible. Um, so what scientists can do is 
rather than highlighting only areas of conflict, bringing in examples of, for instance, religious scientist role models who accept evolution. Um, Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the National Institute of Health, um, headed the Human Genome Project. Uh, he founded a whole organization for evolution education advancement. And he also identifies as an evangelical Christian, right? Which might break some of the stereotypes that, that some people think about that a scientist who accepts evolution has to be an atheist, right? Um, so those are just some examples of ways that a scientist can help a religious individual see compatibility between their religion and evolution. Another thing that they can do that I think can be really impactful is to make clear that science as a discipline is agnostic rather than atheistic, right? So whether you don't have a religious worldview, whether you do have a religious worldview, both of those things can be in line with science, right? Science doesn't test whether or not there's such thing as a god or supernatural. Right. So those are just a couple ways that I think scientists can bring in a more balanced view um, of the relationship between science and religion, rather than just the, the conflict view that We'll take a break here. We'll be back. This is MTSU on the record. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There is no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. 
For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Students Alexa Summersill, a psychology major, and Elizabeth Wybrin, a biochemistry major also known as Lane, talk about the research posters for which they won their awards. Uh, Alexa, what was your poster about? So mine was comparing uh, the use of religious cultural competence in evolution education, both online and in person, uh, because we moved to online instruction uh, obviously during the COVID-19 pandemic. So it, it allowed us a unique opportunity to compare cultural competence and in-person and see if it was just as effective online. What was your category? How was it different from Lane's category? So mine was undergraduate biology education research. And then Lane, what was yours? Um, yours was um, different. But... Yeah, mine was mentored undergraduate research. And I think the difference was that um, the category that Alexa was in, um, everyone in that category solely Uh, focused on education. Mine was just a little different, not quite, you know, I wasn't implementing any sort of teaching methods or um, giving any sort of intervention. So. And Alexa, what did you discover uh, in doing the research on your particular topic? What did you find out that you, uh, that surprised you or that you weren't aware of? Like about the research process in general or about the poster itself? About either one, actually. So what surprised me about it is that uh, students were actually more comfortable talking about um, evolution and controversial topics in person, because I would have thought it would have been online. Um, But the surprising thing about research in general for me is how much I knew I would enjoy it, but I enjoy it a lot more. And I'm one of those people, like I've always hated math and statistics and all that, but like I actually enjoy it now. (laughs) I'm understanding it more because we've done it in the lab. So that was surprising for me. We also found, we first found that uh, the use of cultural competence and evolution education is effective in an online environment as it is is in person and that these results were similar to how students felt in person and they gained in their acceptance and understanding of evolution both online and in person. That's interesting because I would think that maybe if the ones who were more comfortable in person maybe took the subject a little more seriously than folks uh, who were in social on social media because they they wanted a more nuanced exploration of it that just exchanging insults back and forth between people who believed X and people who believed Y which is a lot of what social media is sometimes. So Alexa, were we studying people on social media? So it was more so we had an instructor. um, We looked at her uh, courses in the fall of 2018, which was in person and the fall of 2020, which was online. And so we saw she used the same materials in uh, both instances, but we wanted to see if her use of cultural competence in the online courses would have uh, the, a similar effect to uh, student acceptance and understanding as it did in her in-person courses. Lane, what was your poster about? Um, so we looked at the perceptions, um, sorry, in communication habits of bi- undergraduate biology students about COVID-19 and COVID-19 vaccines. Um, we focused on this group mainly because they are the next group of researchers and healthcare professionals. So if they you know, can't communicate, that's not very promising. Um, Uh, What we found kind of the overarching thing is that these students do communicate with people um, about COVID and topics um, related to COVID, but they don't always feel very prepared. And so there's a 
concerned that because they're lacking this preparation and, you know, they tend to use really um, ineffective communication topics that they're doing potentially more harm than good. And that, you know, from a instructor's perspective, you know, they could insert some things into their lesson plans to maybe make them more aware or competent in talking about these things. And can you tell her about what were some of the ineffective ways that students were communicating? Um, so yeah, some ineffective ways are just like they are apathetic, so they don't care, or they just try to avoid the conversation. Um, some of them were really like accusatory, which is, you know, like you said, just spout insults to um, people they're talking to. Were some people reluctant to discuss the subject because they didn't want to uh, get into any kind of a conflict over mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine? Yeah, I think some people did say that that was a reason they were they just wanted to avoid conflict. They were just not interested in having that talk. Um, we did see that a lot of people were not really comfortable talking about vaccines because when we did the study, it was after the vaccines had just become available to the public. Um, and so there's it seems that there was a lack of information there, but it makes sense because it was early in the game. What do you want to do when you graduate? Um, I have applied to med school, so hopefully that's what I'll be doing in the fall is going off to med school. So we hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you want to become a physician or a researcher? A physician. And what specialty? Um, so I would really like to ultimately become a pathologist, um, but I think I would want to start more in ER medicine. Okay. And uh, Alexa, what do you want to do when you graduate? Um, I plan on pursuing my PhD in clinical psychology and then becoming a therapist out of that. We got a certificate and then we did get, how much did you get, Lane? I think I got 100 and Alexa got 200, I think. We'll take another break here. This is MTSU on the record. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle East-centered MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. 
Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE Advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. As we return to MTSU on the record, we learn how Dr. Elizabeth Barnes feels about the awards she and her students, Alexa Summersill and Elizabeth Wybrin, received at the National Association of Biology Teachers Annual Gathering in Atlanta in November 2021. Well, I just thought it was amazing. You know, I went to this conference um, just on top of the world thinking that, you know, I was winning this national award, right? And then it just became even more amazing when my two undergraduate researchers who, this was their first in-person like national conference that they've gone to and presented at, right? So that at their first conference that they also um, took home prizes for their work. And it just really reflected like all the hard work that I've seen them do over the last year. And, and so there was just a lot of pride um, there for those, for, for those undergraduate researchers, yeah. Is your research going to be published anywhere, Alexa and Lane? So Alexa, do you want to talk about what your, the stage of your manuscript? Yes, so it is currently, uh, we got the manuscript ready and we're submitting it to the uh, American Biology Teacher journal so we uh it is in the process of being reviewed right now for publishing so it's under review right and for lane if you don't know how to answer this we we have it currently um under preparation and it should be submitted hopefully by the end of the uh the year what i need from y'all in terms of arranging a specific date and time to take a so for Alexa, just so there's like a, a statement that's like, what is the what is the implication of the, the research that she did? It's that all of those practices I told you about providing religious scientists role models, you know, talking about evolution as agnostic rather than atheistic, that instruction that includes that can be just as effective online as it can be in person. So instructors can use those strategies online. And for Lane's project, the implications for biology education research really are that as biology educators, we have to start thinking about our role in training our students to communicate effectively because they are communicating, right? But they don't feel prepared and they might be using um, negative strategies that aren't effective. So we can step in and try to help them uh, be more prepared for that. And that's something that I have asked science professors about before is uh, some science professors uh, that... uh, I, I get reporters asking me, will you get me a professor to help uh, flesh out this story or provide some context or whatever? And some science professors are reluctant to because they are afraid that since most reporters are generalist instead of specialist, their comments will be misconstrued or they will be misquoted 
or their research will end up looking like something it's not in the newspaper. And, uh, you know, that has happened and can happen. But uh, if the science professor doesn't explain it in such a way that the generalist, because the majority of the reading and listening public are generalists, then uh, there's going to continue to be this chasm, this skepticism yeah. gulf. I agree. Know? I agree. And imagine if those scientists in their undergraduate classes or their graduate classes got training as part of their science education for how to communicate in a way where they could be more effective. Right. And I think that's part of what we think the implication is for some of the results that we're finding in women's studies. To make complicated subjects understandable without dumbing things down to the point where they're utterly meaningless. Thank you, ladies. Thank you all. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. Expanding Your Horizons is an annual hands-on science and math conference for middle and high school girls. EYH enables girls to investigate careers in science and math and to talk with female leaders in those fields that are so essential to our nation's future. EYH also provides the girls with fun, hands-on activities and allows them to meet girls with similar interests. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, EYH Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. MTSU faculty and staff again showed their true blue generosity through the annual employee charitable giving campaign. The 2021-22 campaign drew a record $140,791 in pledges, beating the $140,000 goal and attracting the highest number of participants ever at 864. 
and for the ninth straight year, the Jones College of Business won the Provost Cup, a friendly competition that honors the college with the highest percentage of participants. Here's Jones College Dean David Urban in accepting the cup from Provost Mark Burns. You know, what, what it's really all about is, is what we do for the broader community, and this is a university-wide effort. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're all ecstatic about the fact that uh, MTSU this year hit another record in uh, total giving. Uh, past the $140,000 mark. I mean, it's just an amazing testament to uh, what this university does for the broader community, and I, I, I think it's fantastic. It's great to be part of that family. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.